You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Everybody's all right. Come with me in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6. I've already squandered five minutes of my time. Oh, no. The title of my message tonight is Divine Ecosystems. Divine Ecosystems. What, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. When, when, when you get born again, when, Jesus says, unless you are born again, you can't see nor enter the kingdom of God. But I want you to know that when you're born again, when you're born again, you don't join a denomination. You don't join a religious affiliation or religious movement. Now, if you're born again here, you better believe we're going to do our very, very best to make sure that we help uh, disciple you, get you established, get you planted and cause your life to flourish. We take that really, really seriously. But when you're born again, you are born again into the kingdom of God. When, when you're born again, the veil of separation, the veil, the sin that separates us from God is taken away. And now you have restored perfect communion again with your heavenly father. You have access to heaven. Jesus said this, he says, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus spoke, spoke about the kingdom of God. He, he sent the disciples out to preach. He says, and when you preach, declare the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, the kingdom of heaven is, is within your grasp, within your reach. If you just reach up, if you reach out, you can access the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus speaks about the kingdom of heaven, I want you to understand that Jesus is speaking about an, an ecosystem that is a divine ecosystem. The world that you and I live in has, has ecosystems. You'll hear this word uh, often, especially whether you know, people are biologists or botanists or horticulturists, uh, you know, earth first people, that they'll talk a lot about ecosystems and the balance of an ecosystem. Uh, bees, I'm not sure if you, you see those little and you never want to step on one. It's painful. But, uh, but bees pay, play an integral part in our ecosystem. I'm not sure if you realize that. Uh, there are over 20,000 species of bees. But if we got rid of all bees, we would lose about 60% of our food source. Because the bees carry pollen from one to another and cause fertilization. You know, it's two-thirds of our fruits and vegetables come from the work of those little bees who only live for a few days. They struggle for survival, but they, 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 they work diligently and they fly from flower to flower, from plant to plant, because they, they, they're part of an ecosystem. They're part of an ecosystem. The devil does not want you to believe in the kingdom of God because it's an invisible kingdom. And he doesn't want you to understand your, your born again, your access into the divine ecosystem. But I'm here tonight to disrupt the devil. I'm here to, to, tonight to equip and empower the saints to help you to understand how you and I access this ecosystem. So first, let me just say that the way that you access the ecosystem of God, of the kingdom of God, is through faith. So have a look. Hebrews 11 verse 6. It says, but without faith, it is incredibly tedious. No, excuse me. Uh, but without faith, it is rather difficult. Sorry, that's not what it says either. But without faith, it is quite cumbersome. All right. Without faith, it is somewhat of a challenge. Without faith, it is... Man, isn't that a 
I mean, I love the Bible. The Bible's always the book of possible, but here, impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is, it's not just difficult to please God, it is impossible. What God is looking for is faith. Pastor Leanne preached a great message a little while ago. And one of the points was, Jesus says, when I return, will I really find faith in the earth? I want you to notice he didn't say, when I return, will I really find tolerance? Will I find equity? Will I find love? Will I find kindness? Will I find goodness? Because all of those things flow from a thing called faith. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes from the word of God. The reason that faith is the access point into the divine ecosystem is because it was the absolution of faith that caused our eviction from the divine ecosystem. Adam and Eve were in a garden called Eden and God put them there to tend and to keep it and he gave them a garden full of trees. In fact, the name Eden means paradise or literally garden of delights. Everywhere they looked, the most exquisite colors, the most vibrant fragrances of flowers. They, they say that after Noah's flood, when, when the, the canopies of heaven opened, uh, we, we, we lost about 3,000% uh, of the colors that existed prior to the flood. So today when you watch a sunrise and you see the yellows and the oranges and the pinks, times that by 3,000, that's what it was like before the fall. Everything was destroyed. People worship nature and yet God destroyed it all with a flood and hasn't bothered to pull a weed since. And you have people that worship nature and God hasn't, God's like, man, if you, you like that? You should have seen it before I destroyed everything. You should see what I've got planned. I've got to tell you, the biggest fools are the people that, hey, I don't want heaven. I'm just going to live like crazy here and now. Man, I'm t you're going to miss out. The Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, heart has not perceived, nor has entered into the mind of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. I am telling you, heaven is going to be pretty, pretty brilliant. There is nothing on earth that is worth trading what God has for you. So God created this garden. He created a garden, and then he puts that tree. He puts the tree. And probably if you've read your Bible, every single one of us are like, okay, hang on, just time out. God, if you know everything, if you know time, if you know the future from the, the past, why would you put the tree? If you put the tree there, why put, I mean, why not put a moat around? Why not put, I mean, you had crocodiles. Why not put the crocodiles around the tree? Why not put an electric fence around the tree? Why would you put the tree in the garden? Did anybody like me ever ask that question? Just a few of us. God had to put the tree in the garden. He had to. Genesis 2, God created the garden. Eastward there he put the man. Genesis 1, the chapter before, God gave man authority. He got, gave man dominion. He says, I want you to exercise dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, beasts of the field. I want you to subdue the earth. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. For, for, for Adam, for man to have authority, authority comes from submission. Jesus comes to a centurion and the centurion says, my servant lies at home at death's door. 
And Jesus says, I will come to your house and heal him. And the centurion says, oh, no, no, no. Like you, I too am a man under authority. I'm a man under authority. So I can say to this one, go, and he goes. And to this one, come, and he comes. He says, just speak the word, and my servant will be made well. The Bible says, Jesus marveled. Jesus marveled, saying, not in all Israel have I seen such great faith. Have I seen such great faith? So God put a tree in the garden that Adam was to tend, Adam was to take care of, but was to never eat from because that required submission to God. That required him recognizing that God is Lord, that Jesus is Lord, that God is Lord over my life. And in that submission, his authority was intact. But as soon as, God, as soon as the devil came and convinced Adam and Eve to reach out to that, Satan swooped in and picked up the keys to the authority that was man's. And then Adam and Eve were evicted from the garden. What protected Adam and Eve was the word. The word was, do not eat from the tree in the day that you eat. But because they doubted the word of God, they were evicted. So now, because they doubted the word of God, they were excluded. The way that we become included is by believing the word of God. That's why faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You gain your entrance into kingdom things through faith. Does that make sense? All right. So without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those who come to God must A, believe that God is, and B, believe that He is a... Believe that He is a... Believe that He is a rewarder for those who diligently seek Him. It's an amazing thing that, that we always get persecuted. And uh, it's really funny. I, I just I find it quite comical that I read the Yelp reviews and they say, yeah, whatever you do, don't go down to that awakened church. I shouldn't go down there. No. Everybody's good looking. <laughs> they're all prosperous and successful. Amen. And they're just, they're just having way too good a time to be saved. <laughs> and you literally can see people going, okay, yes, I'll avoid that place. Hey, Margo, you want to go check out Awaken Church on Sunday? <laughs> like you can just see it happening. You can, you can, anyway. And so, Not just that God is, but that he is a rewarder. Jesus says, behold, I am coming and my reward is with me. God is a, God is a rewarder. He's a tester and he's a rewarder. The Bible says, test me now in this. Says, if I want to throw open the windows of heaven, you better believe that God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. Every time you make a decision to be obedient, you'll find there's a reward. Well, we should just do it even though there's no reward. I know that. But your heavenly father can't help himself. He is besotted by you. Every time you choose him over the world, every time you choose him over your flesh, every time you choose him over self, every single time he has a reward for you. God is, well, I don't believe that. Well, then you're not believing the Bible. The Bible says that faith without it is impossible. What is faith is A, believe that God is, and B, that believe that he's a rewarder. So just let that settle because a lot of people have a problem. Well, you know, I'm just grateful to be saved. Well, that's fantastic, but Jesus didn't just save you. Doesn't just save you and then, you know, get out of here. You're lucky. That's not Jesus. When he saves you, he completely saves you. You're not just kind of like, a, you know, an adopted child. You become his born again. Apple of his eye. Heartbeat. Love, affection, son and daughter of God. And he loves to give good things to you. 
So without faith, now jump down to verse 17. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said to Isaac, your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Figuratively, that's how he received him. Then go over to verse 23, I think it is. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. Let me give you three quick thoughts in just a few minutes we have left in Jesus' name. All right, three quick thoughts. Number one, number one is test or trust. Test or trust. In this life with God, in the divine ecosystem of God, you will always be in one of two states. You will either be in a test or in a trust. In fact, your life, you will find, will vacillate between the two. That God will, will test you. Now, God never tests you to fail you. The, the, the test isn't designed to exclude. The test is designed to promote you into a place of trust. Five talents, two talents, one talent. The guy with five produces five more, two, two more. The master comes and says, well done, good and faithful. You were faithful over a few things. I will now make you ruler over, I will now trust. You passed the test, now I will trust. God will test you to see with how much he can trust you. And then get ready, once you're trusted at that level, a test will come. So the, the, the verse that we read here in verse 17 talks about Abraham offering Isaac. Genesis 22, it says, It came to pass that the Lord tested Abram and said to Abram, 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 he said, Here I am. He says, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will show you. The Bible says, Early the next morning, Abraham saddled his donkey, woke his little boy, took the servants and, and rode for three days till he got to the place where God said, that's the place, Mount Moriah. And then he took his son up the hill. His son was carrying the wood on his back. He, Isaac carrying the wood on his back, just like the only begotten of the father would carry the wood up on his back, up a hill called Golgotha. Isaac lays on the altar and Abraham brings out and then heaven says, stop, stop. Now I know you will not withhold from me your only son. Therefore, blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply you. Your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. And in your seed, Isaac, all the nations will be blessed. See, Abraham had been tested, passed the test, and then was in a trust. He received Isaac. But the, the promise of Abraham was descendants like the stars in the sky, sand on the seashore. But he had settled for, I'm just happy to have one boy. And God says, if you will take that one boy and put him on the altar, if you'll offer him up. And the Bible says that Abraham believed that God would raise him from the dead because he knew his body was dead. He knew Sarah's womb was dead. He says, figuratively, God already brought him to us from the dead. I, 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 know, I know him whom I have believed. But the Bible says that when God tested him, he was able to now trust him at another level. In this life, the 
reason we do Pathfinders, the reason we do Vision Builders, the reason that we teach on this is because we want to be sensitive to the divine ecosystem operating in your life. That we know that God will test only because He wants to increase your trust. Let me just tell you, the level of trust, the level of wealth, the, the, the level of blessing, the level of influence in your life right now is not determined by God, is determined by you and I and our, our ability to pass the test. The level of trust that you're in is, and if you want to go to a higher level, there's a test. But the test is good. Follow the test. Somebody say amen. All right, number two. Number two. Number two is you become your offering. I don't understand why they're always talking about tithes and offerings like every week. Are you kidding? Sundays, three times on a Sunday. And they've got to get up on a Wednesday and do it as well. Is that a bad accent, Chris? I'm not sure how good I'm doing. It's, uh, anyway, it's the best I can do right now. You become your offering. In the book of Malachi, before we get to bring all the tithes, before you get to that, if you skip back a couple of chapters... Malachi is rebuking the Israelites. He says, you know, you wouldn't give to your governor what you bring to God. He says, you guys are so backslidden. You guys are so jacked up that, 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 that you'll give to your governor greater than what you give to God. He says, you, you guys have just put disdain and mockery on the offering. When you bring to God that which is lie, uh, blind, that which is lame, that which is infirm, that which is sick, he says, go and offer it to your governor. It's amazing how many people, listen, I've got a broken computer at home. We we're going to throw it in the trash. But I thought, rather than throw it away, what about we give it to the church? Look, I spilt coffee. The alt button and the delete button are like, but, you know, you probably don't. Should we throw it or, you know, give, give the devil the broken stuff. You've got a rundown car, give it to the devil. You've got a broken computer, give it to the devil. Let's give God the best stuff. He deserves the best. But what they didn't realize was in the Old Testament, Weekly, and then at Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and then at Passover, they had to bring a lamb, and, and that's why uh, they had Jerusalem. Just outside of Jerusalem was Bethlehem. Bethlehem was where the angel appeared to the shepherds. Now, it's amazing. You listen to these Bible commentaries, and they say, you know, these people will say, yeah, in how beautiful, you know, Jesus the angels, you know, Jesus is born in a stable and the angels appear to the shepherds because he comes to the poor first. Isn't that lovely? How were they the poor? They were, they were employed. They had a job. They were shepherds. The reason the angels appeared to the shepherds is because these shepherds for centuries had been the caretakers of the flock just outside of the city where the temple was, where daily, weekly, there were sacrifices of lambs that had to be one-year-old without blemish and perfect. And it was too far to travel up to Galilee to bring them down. So they had Bethlehem in Judea nearby. That's where the shepherds and the, the angels appeared to them to say, hey, listen, all your toil, all your labor is about to be fulfilled. The promised lamb of, that's why Jesus had to make the trek and he was born in Bethlehem because it was from Bethlehem that all 
all the sacrifices for atonement. That's where the lambs came from. That's why Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. That's where he was from. And so, so they, they would bring a lamb. The lamb had to be one year old, without blemish, spotless, perfect. And then the high priest would put the lamb on the altar and he would confess the sins of the people onto the lamb. And the innocent lamb would die for the sins of the people. Now, we know that that's what Jesus did. He was innocent and he died. However, however, that's not the end of the story. What God would do is he would make a, a substitution. The innocence and the perfection of the lamb would be put on Israel. Their sin would go onto the lamb and its innocence would be bestowed to them. And God was rebuking them saying, you fools, when you bring the blind, you become spiritually blind. When you bring the lame, you become spiritually lame. When you bring the, inf you become, sp you become the offering. The offering is always a reflection. Jesus, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. When we were moving over from Australia, we were closing out our vision builders and they had a vision builders dinner in, in Sydney with our pastor, Phil Pringle, and at Oxford Falls before we you know, came over. And we still owed 10000 on our vision builders, but I had a check coming in any day. And, and then at the vision builders night, they said, listen, you know, why don't you do this? If you're going to make a new pledge and you still owe, owe from last year, why don't you roll last year's into the new one? And I just said to Leanne, I said, look, even though we're going to plant a church and we don't know if anyone's going to show up, I just want to step out in faith. Why don't we give another 10000 in faith to honour Pastor Phil and Chris, to honour Oxford Falls, and then, you know, we'll round out the 10000 So, So I put 20000 10000 Well, anyway, two days later, the cheque comes in. So I go in, see Glenn Henry, the accountant, and I explained it. I explained to him. I said, 20,000, I said, you know, 10,000 from last year and then 10,000 new. And he's like, yeah, it makes sense. So I gave him 10, I said, we still owe 10. I said, probably before we get on the plane, I'm going to pay it. And then before we get on the plane, we pay it. But anyway, that Sunday, that Sunday, Pastor Phil, you know, he's kind of on a roll and, and he goes, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, where, yeah, where, where's the youth guy? Yeah, youth guy. I'm like, oh, it's Pastor Yogan. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, get up here. And he gets me up and he just starts punching me. That's what he does. He's like, you're punching in the chest. Yeah, yeah, this guy here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, guys going to plant a church, San Diego. Going over overseas, plant a church. Going to be a church planner. Like, yeah. But you know what? He paid off his last year's vision builders and then decided to give him another $20,000 this year. And I wanted to correct him. I wanted to, but when all the people stood and clapped, like, wow, you. I thought, well, far be it from me to. I'll just. I'll just. I just thought, you know, I'll just bask for a moment. Bask for a moment. And then tomorrow, tomorrow I'll go and re-explain it to the accountant guy. So I explained to the accountant guy. Well, you know, we paid off the other 10000 You know, Santa? We get on the plane, we fly over. Well, we have, we have a property that keeps falling out of escrow. We, we, we bought an acre of land. We didn't know we were coming to San Diego. So we bought an acre of land. We we're going to build a home. We've got three little boys. I thought I can put a little soccer field. You know, this would be fantastic. Then we had to leave it, come to San Diego. But it was costing us $4,800 a month. And so I thought, oh, well, you know, it'll sell. It'll sell really quickly. It's got ocean views. Oh, it'll sell so quickly. Three times in escrow, three times it falls out of escrow. And now I'm just like, and I'm watching our bank account just. And Leanne, 
I knew when I married, I married Miss Wright. I didn't realize her first name was always. She goes, oh, it's because I like Leanne. I explained it to the accountant. She's like, it doesn't matter. I'm like, Leanne, who's the, better, who's the math person? You, I, mean, I said, exactly, I'm a math person. So, and she goes, I don't care. I don't care. You get, and I'm showing her. I'm show, look, look, here's my pencil. Let me just undo a ledger. I said, you know, and, I'm, and she goes, I don't care. You, you can make it balance all you like. All I know is you were standing on that. And I'm like, oh, you, and I, three times in escrow, three times a full. Well, I get down to my last 12,000. I've got 12,000 left, not even enough for three payments. And the, the pressure and the stress. So I, this one morning, I can't sleep. I get up and I go for a walk and we were living in Scripps Ranch and there was this park bench up on the hill under a street lamp. And, you know, the marine layer comes in and you can just see the, the and I could see the, like the, the moisture in the air. And I'm just sitting under there just going, God, what on earth is going on? And then I said this, I had a little bit of a moment. I said, what, what's wrong with people? He's been three times, was in escrow, three times. I said, God, how come people can't follow through on their commitments? <laughs> it was too late. The words were out there floating. And they turned around and were like pointing right at me. <laughs> I realized, gosh darn it. So I came home, Leanne sleeping. You're right. She didn't know what about because, yeah, it's true. So I wrote a check for $10,000, sent it off. And I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to make the next payment. I've only got 2000 left and it's 4800 Within 48 hours, I get a phone call from the agent who was no longer our agent. And she says, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. She says, the first guy that wanted to buy the home, he uh, buy your land, he had a home that he couldn't sell. It just sold for cash. He wants to know, is that property still available? And he knows that if it is, it's probably about, so he'll pay you more than the original price. I said, let me pray about it. Okay, sure, why not? The offering was a reflection of my life. You become your offering. Last point, point number three. Point number three. Whenever you give, understand that even though it leaves your hand, it never leaves your life. I just need you to understand, in, in the ecosystem of God, everything works together. Nothing is wasted. So it may leave your hand, but it never leaves your life. The second scripture we, we, we read in Hebrews eleven twenty three said, or the third one, said that M Moses was hidden for three months. After three months, Mama Yochabed made an ark out of bulrushes. And the Bible says she, she, she trusted Moses to the Lord. She, she gave Moses, she put him in the Nile River. She, she, she gave her only son. She gave her son. Moses left her hand, but did not leave her life. Moses goes down the Nile where he's drawn out by Pharaoh's daughter. She names him Moshe, which means drawn out. He, he left his mama's hand, but did not leave mama's life. When you give, it doesn't leave your life. It leaves your hand, but it goes into your future where it multiplies and comes back to deliver. It comes back. She, she put a little baby in the river, but a deliverer. 
a deliverer came back, pressed down, shaken together, running over. The rescued mama, rescued papa, rescued brother, rescued sister, rescued the entire nation of Israel out of 400 years of bondage. And when you give, it may leave your hand, but it never leaves your life. Never leaves your life. When we started the church in 2005, we didn't know if anybody was going to turn up. And so God said to me from before our first Sunday, I want you to send 10% of everything that comes in. You're, you're going to practice what you're going to ask people to preach. And we've, we've done it ever since. Now we give almost 20%. But back then we gave 10% of everything that came in. We, we gave it away. Back then we would send every week 10% to the Dream Center up in LA. They, they help, you know, homeless people, drug addicts, prostitutes, you name it. That, that's who they help. Alcoholics, it's incredible. So we would send, and, and the first Sunday we had three people. Dr. Matt's mom was one, and two other people wrote $1,000 checks, and we had like $3,800 $3, or something come in. And I remember writing a check for $380 and some cents and sent it off to the Dream Center. The next week wasn't so good. It was maybe $1,600, and I wrote $106, sent it off. Well, after about three months, I get a phone call from Pastor Matthew Barnett, and he's like, man, you're sending us money? Well, you're a church plan. We ought to send you money. I'm like, hey, you know, it's, it's just what it is, and... Because we were just new, and I knew that, you know, honor opens doors. So I wanted to honor somewhere. I wanted to get, for five years, for five years, every week, 10% Dream Center, 10% Dream Center, 10% Dream Center. After five years, I, I, we put on a business manager. I said to the business manager, I said, hey, listen, um, you know, I want to do, do this. Oh, no, we, we can't do that. I said, why not? Oh, we don't have any money. I said, what? I said, well, you know what? I said, you know, because we've been so blessed, I made, instead of having zero, I made 100,000 out of zero. I said, just, just go and draw out of my, oh, I've already spent that. I said, you what? I've already spent that. I said, well, where, where are we at? Well, actually, we're a month in arrears. We're going to pay this month for everything we pay. I'm like, how on? I said, how long have we been like that? Oh, about eight months. I said, well, what about the money we're sending to the Dream Center? Oh, I stopped that. I said, what do you mean? You st- when did you stop that? Nine months ago. Do you see a little correlation here? So I said, take 10% of everything that came in and send it to the Dream Center. We can't afford to do that. We can't afford not to do that. Get 10%, send it to the Dream Center. Now, here's, here's the kicker. Closing my Bible. Handing it to anybody who'll grab it. Quick, quick. Because <laughs> the letters are red. All right. Um. 2005, God says, send 10% to the Dream Center. 10% to the Dream Center. 10% to the Dream Center. 2010, you know, we hit this wall. 2010 was an incredibly difficult year because our eldest son had been bullied continuously in high school. And after a while, bullying is not fun. If you can't beat them, join them. And so they made him their, their kind of their drug mule. And he became addicted to narcotics. We didn't know what to do. We were trying to grow a church. We were trying to, we had three other kids. It was hell. And then I remembered the Dream Center and I called up and they said, oh, Pastor Jurgen, we will make room. It won't cost you a dime. You can bring him up within 24 hours. We brought him up and over the space of nine months, it broke the back. He, he was so addicted that he twice said to me, he didn't feel like he could beat it and didn't want to live anymore. But he went up there 
and it saved his life. We had no idea. We had no idea that in 2005, when God says, send 10% to the Dream Center, we had no idea that even though it was leaving our hand, we had no idea it was going into our future where it was multiplying. And in 2010, when we needed deliverance, when we needed a miracle, it would bring deliverance. He's married to one of the worship leaders here. If we can put his picture up. He's married to one of the worship leaders. When you give, it may leave your hand, but it never leaves your life. It goes into your future and multiplies. And I shared this story and I was so excited. And God said, that's not all I did. I'm like, what? He goes, that's not all I did. Put the second picture up. He said, that's not all I did. He said, in, in 2010, the Dream Center played an instrumental life in saving the life of your firstborn. But you see this beautiful young lady here? She's my daughter-in-law. Me too. And I love that one there. Her name is Aubrey Matesius now, but before that, Aubrey Barnett. God said, when you were giving in 2005, you had no idea that what you were giving into would save the life of your firstborn, but would provide a bride for your secondborn. Because when you give, it may leave your hand, but it never leaves your life. It goes into your future where it multiplies and it comes back to deliver you. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's give God a praise. Come on, stand to your feet. Come on, how many people know that God is good? God is good. All the time and all the time, God is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands high to heaven. I'm, I'm way out, uh, over time. But listen, if, if you're not born again, that's how you get into this ecosystem. How do I get born again? It's very simple. You just, re- you just receive Christ into your heart. You say, Jesus, come into my life. Give him the wheel. Give him the wheel. Carrie Underwood. Jesus, take the wheel. It's that simple. Give Jesus the wheel of your life. Let Jesus, you take control and you're born again. If you want to do that tonight, maybe you're away from God. Maybe you're far from God. We have a response lounge over there. There'll be people there that would love to pray with you. And we will give you two books, a Bible and a following Jesus book. That's our gift to you. But in just a moment, the ministry team's going to come. And if you need a breakthrough, if you need a miracle, if you need faith, if you need, I'm telling you, When you are born again, this is what the devil does not want you to know. He does not want you to know that there's a divine ecosystem operating around about you. He'll try to, through fear, get you to shrink back, not give, not participate, not engage. Listen, if this was all about trying to muscle you for money, I wouldn't do it. I I love people too much to do that. But I know that I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have what I have if I didn't live the principles I just taught you. Because they work, because it's part of God's divine ecosystem. We share it boldly and gladly every week because I know miracles flow. I know breakthroughs flow. So come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Father, I thank you right now that this is a house of breakthrough. This is a house of miracles. This is a house of transformation. I break spirits of poverty. I break cycles of poverty. I break spirits and cycles of addiction. 
I declare alcohol addiction, drug addiction, gambling addictions. I declare you broken off people's lives. I declare those who are gripped by fear and anxiety. I declare they are loosed and released tonight in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I declare faith rises on the inside of them. I declare hearts turn towards the Word of God. People lean in again to the Word of God. I declare miracles breaking loose, miracles breaking forth. I declare people are going to be able to own their own homes, own their own homes, own their own homes. You are going to be landlords. You're going to be the Lord over the land. People are going to rent from you. You're the head, not the tail, above only, not beneath. You're blessed in the country, blessed in the city, blessed going in, blessed coming out. Father, I thank you for your blessing resting on each and every person in Jesus' name. Come on, give God a praise. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenchurch.com.